0: I will call upon you to do a service for me Play the Godfather Now at Chumpacasino.com Welcome to the family VGW Group, no purchase necessary where prohibited by law See terms and conditions, 18 plus Geekish Gas is a member of the Astro Panda Productions Network Hey guys, Jeremy from Geekish Cast here. I'm here with Vince Doris, the uh, writer and artist from Untold Tales of Bigfoot. And Vince, thank you very much for joining me. How's it going over there? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I've had to take a couple swings to get you on here and still almost ended up missing you tonight. So thank you for your patience. Yeah,
1: I'm a tough get for podcasts. I,
0: I noticed that. I, I heard this about you. on That's the word on the street. <laughs>
1: No. But no, no, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah. Um so the reason that you came to my attention is because I'm a um even though I'm a strangely skeptical person, I do believe in Bigfoot and I have a great nephew who is a Bigfoot believer uh-huh. uh whose grandmother helped kickstart one of your books, The Untold Tales yeah. of Bigfoot. And so um really quick, the idea of Bigfoot running around with this dog is just an awesome idea. Um what happened? How, what was the genesis of this idea?
1: The, the genesis of the idea was that it was that I wanted to make comics, uh, and, and I, uh, I had a story in mind, and I didn't want to blow it by, uh, by, by doing it wrong. So I, I decided I was going to do a practice story, a throwaway idea, and I had a sketch of a Bigfoot that I had done for a friend and I thought, you know, that's, that's not too terrible. I think I can make a story about this guy. And that ended up being what I went with. And uh, it, it worked out for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, your art style, by the way, I love it. Um, it, it is the nice. right amount of, of technical draftsmanship and whimsical that kind of look very nice together.
1: I think those are two things I like when I'm looking at other people's art.
0: Yeah. So I like an amount of whimsy mixed with an amount of realism. Yeah, yeah, and nice. yeah, and also when you did your Kickstarter for this particular book, uh, you did drawings of the people who did, or some of the drawings, whatever level it was, of people who donated to your Kickstarter.
1: Which, yeah, I got to, they got to be drawn as a comic book character in the woods with Bigfoot and Scout.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty awesome mix. Um, real quick here, because I know we're we're going to try to do this shortly uh, or in a shorter period of time, but. What, let's see, you had an idea for comic books. Are you more of a comic strip fan, a comic book fan, a classical art fan? What was your interest in artwork?
1: You know, uh, Jeremy, I've been drawing since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it's just something I've been doing my whole life. Uh, I've read comics as books and strips since I don't think I, uh, I don't think I discriminate between the two. I think that, uh, and, and I, you know, I went to school. And studied art. So I guess all three of those things are probably... I'm a big fan of all those things.
0: Okay. Is there a particular story or character that caught your interest early that you remember?
1: You know what? I remember being into superheroes when I was a kid. Uh, but I also liked uh, horror comics. I remember, uh, like, early on... I think, you know, Bernie Wrightson just passed. Yes. I think he is one of my my... my my heroes of art, and I think that uh, my whole life I've been I've been reading Bernie Wrights and stuff, and I've kind of gotten out of the superhero thing, but uh, but lately I, I have been reading that uh, Black Hammer uh, by Dark Horse, which is kind of like a take on superheroes, but it's dark. It's kind of like Bernie Wrightson and meets superheroes. It's kind of nice.
0: Okay, yeah, Bernie Wrightson also has drawn the best Frankenstein ever designed Whoa. for anything well, ever. Yeah,
1: I read somewhere recently that he took, was it seven years to do the 50 illustrations in that book? And uh, I don't know, you just look at one of those illustrations and I think I would take seven years just to do one of them. Mm -hmm. So detailed, so amazing.
0: Here's the thing. I actually needed to look this up and I should have when he passed. Uh, So Flash Gordon is one of my all time favorite characters. Mm-hmm. And I believe he worked on Flash Gordon, too. Wow. I believe, I, I should have looked this up before, but um, the guy was a draftsman. The guy was an expert at yeah. pen and pen and ink art. I mean, there's really no comparison to other people with him <laughs> very often. Yeah,
1: you know, you're right. I Most of the stuff that I've seen from him is the horror stuff, but I think uh, I have seen some sci-fi stuff. So you're probably right, Flash Gordon. Great character.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a. I got a half a half uh, tattoo sleeve of Flash Gordon characters on my arm,
1: like the classic
0: Busta Alex Kratz. the Alex Raymond uh, original yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, but I did meet last summer. I met uh, Sam J. Jones, who played Flash Gordon in the nineteen eighties movie. Oh, man, and did you got, sing theme song, Adam? No, was, but you know what? He signed my Queen album. Oh, <gasps> he signed. Uh, let's see here. I got three signed posters by him. And gave, you know, I've got two for me, one for my uh, my favorite bar restaurant down the street from my house. And I also gave him a copy of Starlight um, that I'm not going to remember the guy's name. Mark Millar did, which is about a Flash Gordon-type character in his 60s. And wow. aliens come back to get him to help free their planet again. Oh, that's fun. And I was like, dude, you either have to... Find out who's going to make this movie or get somebody to write a Flash Gordon movie with this yeah. story and yeah. star in it. Wow. So, yeah, that was that was one of my most favorite. Yes, Bernie Wrightson did work on Flash Gordon. I was Very correct in that. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Or at least did some artwork for it. Um. So, yeah, well, he got the Bernie Wrightson thing going, so you definitely know how to pick out good artwork.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, as a kid, I really, I, I still, I gravitated towards some of the... Uh, I don't know if you ever read any of the old Harvey comics or Gold Key stuff. Oh, like, sure. Just, yeah, like that stuff. I really like how there's like an economy of line work, but it really it tells the story. It's just enough inking to tell the story. But and it's got that whimsy in it like you were talking about. And that's the kind of stuff I grew up on that and the horror comics.
0: Well, I think, and, and you know, correct me if I step out of line here. I mean, keeping in mind, I, I haven't written anything but a sales email in a long time or drawn anything but a butt in a very long time. But um, in the 60, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you had to not only be able to tell a story in the fewest amount of pages, but in the fewest amount of colors and lines as well when it came to drawing it. Even a well-drawn comic, there was kind of an economy in values and shadow and light.
1: That's... I I, I can't confirm it, but it sounds right. I mean, you know, they had limited uh, means back then.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and printing and separation were Printing expensive. was a lot more primitive
1: than now. You yeah. Know? And it was all flat color, too. There were, I don't think there were gradients and, you know, other weird effects. Everything had to be done, you know... With a brush.
0: hmm uh, So, but yeah. I th- but I think the ability to tell a story in the minimum, in the minimal amount of space, in the minimal, yeah. minimal amount of words is almost a lost art now.
1: It's true. It's true. But there is some good stuff out there.
0: Oh, I'm not saying there's not. I'm yeah. just saying that the good short stuff might be an era of the past. Yeah. Which, you know, that's, that's fine, too. I mean, for those of us who yeah, love comics. The, it's
1: still there. You can still go back and look at it. Yeah. Thank goodness.
0: So, are you still a comic fan these days?
1: Yeah, I'm still a comic fan. I I don't, I don't, uh, I don't absorb the same sort of stuff that I put out. I, I put out mostly family friendly stuff and, mm-hmm. and kid stuff, but I, I read a lot of stuff that's kind of like noir flavored. Okay. Uh, like Lady Killer by Joel Jones, and Killer Be Killed. It's a lot of, a lot of killing, a lot of blood. It's not that I'm into killing and blood, but the, the stories. And the art are just fantastic. You well, know?
0: sometimes you have to have your blow-off Lights. valve, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the spirit, speaking of great artists, uh, you know, Eisner, his original right. spirit, I have a bunch of his stuff. But then uh, Frank Avila is working on some new spirit comic. Uh, I don't know if it's like a mini. It's called The Corpse Makers.
0: And that oh, wow. Too. Yeah. No, I, I kind of miss that. I actually have a friend who comes on and does a live episode with me every Thursday, just so I'll, I will keep up to date with everything going on with comics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he, yeah. he, he keeps abreast of it, and me, you know, I kind of get lost. Like, this week I've been playing a new video game, so I haven't really been checking out comic books or anything. Right.
1: I have so, a very small pull list, you know, but but the stuff I, I grab is, is really good stuff. So, I mean, if you're into detective stuff at all or anything a little darker, check out the, the new Spirit. Uh, Corpse Makers by Francesca
0: okay. well, That's definitely worth checking out. Um, so now you said you went to school for, uh, art, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah. so was it like a fine art degree or what'd you do? Yeah. Uh,
1: it was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Fine arts. So I think most of the education I've gotten on illustration has been post-college. And just absorbing things in books and on the internet, and and hanging out with other illustrators, and that's really, I think, where I made most of my leaps and bounds in learning how to do things.
0: Okay, well, and I've noticed um, also, and this I'm going to pull together like three things from older episodes. But one of the things I've talked to people who have self published, they say don't ever scrimp on lettering. Is is one of the things because yeah, you might know you know, you might you might be able to draw. But if you don't have a strong sense of design, lettering will get away from you and can ruin your panels. So do you did you find in schooling and design helps you lay out your comic books? Or I don't
1: know. I mean, maybe I guess it did a little bit. I I I, I of course don't claim to be any sort of wizard at this. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: since the really Until Tales of Bigfoot was an experiment to begin with. I'm just surprised and happy that it got as far as it did. But uh yeah, I think Stuff like lettering—that's the fine details that you really have to continue learning as you're working on things. And I'm—I'm mean, I'm not great at it, you know. Right. I, I first, want to tell you that's not my.
0: my well, that's thing. you know, Vince. I've got your resume here, and it says I'm a wizard at this. So oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm I little, leave that in there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little <laughs> shocked to hear you say that at this point. <laughs> so now that you've got the untold tales of Bigfoot done, um, yeah. do you have plans to follow up with anything? What, what's kind of yeah. next for you?
1: Yeah. Well. There's a few things I'm doing, but uh, as far as with my personal projects, um, I of course started working on the second book of Untold Tales of Bigfoot. I, I purposely left some questions unanswered in that first one so that I could have a, a larger story. So that's something I'm working on. And I also uh, just just as a more of a small vanity project or just something for fun, I just printed up a bunch of my uh, last October or no. Actually, 2014, right? 2014, I did a bunch of uh, a monster drawing a day in uh, October, and I wrote a little story and linked it all together, and I just ended up printing that too. Uh, it's called Wish on a Halloween Moon. So I'll be that'll be in my shop soon too. It's just a fun kids Halloween thing. It's it's all inks, just black and white inks. Oh, I love cool. black and white inks so.
0: So when you say you did a monster a day are they are they original monsters Are they like yeah, classic
1: like they're kid versions of monsters you know like there's a tiny little like there's a a band of a punk band of vampires called uh B negative okay. and there is a uh, a tiny little uh like an invisible boy uh, you know it's not the invisible man but it's like i guess you could imagine it's his son or nephew or something like that it's
0: cute it's cute. I'll send you some artwork so you can oh, see. Oh, that'd it. be great. Yeah, I'd love to check that out. Yeah. Um, so okay, so this was actually your first published work then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my fr- yeah, my first self-published work. Yeah.
0: Well, so how did you feel when you're holding the book in your hand?
1: Crazy. It was it was nuts. Um I was really really happy to have achieved that. I couldn't have done it without the support of all of the other Comic artists and web comic people that I that I ended up meeting on Twitter and Facebook uh, over the, the years that I was doing the comic online.
0: really is that where this started? Were you doing uh, web comics originally? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was. Well, I was just doing my regular illustration job originally, and I decided I wanted to try to do a comic, and I put this out, and that you know people seemed to like it, and it gathered a small following, and got a lot of feedback from people online. That was good. You know that was a, a real learning experience for me. I, I initially thought that I was going to do this on my own offline and then maybe release it afterwards. But I'm really glad that I decided to throw it up a page a week online and and get that feedback because I think it really altered the way that I thought about making the art and telling the story. It it was more of a, an interaction with the uh, the readership and it was that was great for me.
0: Okay, so as a little kid, were you like were you into horror movies as a kid? absolutely what were your favorites
1: uh you know
0: what i liked i liked movies that
1: um i don't know if i could say i liked them but they really got to me the ones that kind of made you feel weird and sick inside like the creepy ones like there was that the original version of don't be afraid of the dark with the little demon people in the basement that would drag people down into the uh there was um uh you know, at Sunday afternoons they would play a lot of old movies, and uh, I would see. Do you remember uh, Blood on Satan's Claw? No, that uh, one I don't a, know. It's a lot of it's a lot of old Hammer stuff. I yeah, let like. me paint a broader stroke. Like Hammer stuff is good because there's a certain weirdness to it. You know, it's not like a straightforward Frankenstein movie. When you have a Hammer Frankenstein, there's like a certain weird twist to it, and I think that just made me. It was just it was really engaging. Well, yeah,' cause if oh, the, I if loved the, the original creature of the black lagoon uh creature from the black Lagoon. I saw that that was my first three d movie in a the theater too.
0: oh wow, that must have been really cool yeah
1: yeah i we had to stay up. It was a midnight show, and uh my poor mom stayed up and took us 'cause we were just little kids, yeah, so
0: no I remember yeah. I do remember that in the late seventies, seeing that on t v for the first time
1: yeah and I just saw a movie the other day on t v that they I never saw it when I was a kid because I was too young, but I remember seeing uh clips of it. It was called the Incredible Melting Man. I think it was like one of Rick baker's last B movies that he did the makeup for, but uh it was just a guy that went out into space and came back and just started melting oh and eating people
0: but yeah no i and- actually I actually remember that one um for me like the zombie movies were always the standout for me, but that and um any movie with vampires where vampires were actually horribly deformed monsters.
1: Yeah, instead of, like, really handsome vampires.
0: Yeah. Like, like I wasn't down for, like, the Frank Langella Dracula, but right. the, the Klaus von Bülow remake of Nosferatu. Oh,
1: that guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was some good that's stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. that's great stuff. And
1: I, and I liked a lot of Anything that, uh, that combined a little bit of horror with a little bit of humor, too. Like the old Kolchak series I really liked. Oh, yeah. You know, stuff like that was a lot of fun for me.
0: Yeah, I actually, if I ever live through a zombie apocalypse, it will be because of Kolchak the Night Soccer. <laughs> I learned that if you fill their mouth with salt and sew it closed, you're good. Wow, that's, you.
1: well, I hope you're carrying needle and thread on you at all times.
0: I always have it in my car. ready to go. Yeah, that and my little reporter's hat. <laughs> Oh God, that's some good stuff right there. It is. It's classic stuff. Yeah. Um, so then I got to ask, um, are so Bigfoot, that's, that's kind of a specific topic. Yeah. And, and not to put you on too much of a point, but what are your feelings towards our friend, the Sasquatch?
1: I think that, uh, I would like to think that he's out there. I would, I would like to think there's a bunch of them out there, but I would also like to think that we could just leave them alone. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my personal feeling.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm like the romantic in me wants to believe it's real. And not only that, that Patterson Gimlin footage. Mm-hmm. When I watch that and they, nowadays they have a stabilized version you can find on yes, YouTube. Yes. You can't, I, there's no way to tell me that that's not a real animal. Those shoulders are too broad for that to be a human in a suit.
1: I, you know, I've seen it. I've seen the shaky version. I've seen the stabilized version. It's iconic. Uh, I don't think I know enough about primate anatomy uh, or or even gorilla costumes, for that matter, to, to use it to prove whether or not that's Bigfoot to me. But I believe uh, – I, I don't mind believing that that's a Bigfoot. It's just classic footage, and it makes me feel like a kid when I see it, too. Oh,
0: absolutely. It's it, It's kind of the genesis of movies like The Blair Witch, too.
1: Yeah. You know what? Because for that, what is it like – 25 seconds? I don't it's, even
0: know. Yeah, it's not very long. I couldn't tell you yeah. exactly how long it is. Right.
1: But, it has such atmosphere to it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like a, a short film.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you're a video game guy at all. I'm not, but I'll play along. Okay, so <laughs> a new Resident Evil game came out in the last couple months here. Okay. Now, I'm a, I'm a horror guy. I like I watch horror movies on my way to sleep at night. Uh, mm-hmm. I play a lot of horror video games. I've read horror comics. So I, I start this new Resident Evil game up. Nothing's even happened yet, but the atmosphere was so heavy in it that I hit yeah. the I hit the pause button. I was so afraid of what could be about to happen. I hit pause. I walked up into the front room of the house, and I just kind of stood there for like a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I'm, what I'm talking about with those old horror movies. The atmosphere is really what gets to you. Yeah. And, and my wife goes, what are you doing? I said, that game just scared the shit out of me. I had to take a break. <laughs> And she looks at me like, "Are, are you serious right now?" I'm like, "Yes, I'm. I'm totally, totally legit." The game just scared me. Wow. I, I was just the, the. Here's the thing. So, what was going on in it, whatever ever, all the details were? You could smell what you were looking at. It was so wow. thick. Yeah. Which that's, is a, that's a storytelling that's trick, right that's there.
1: Storytelling is what yeah. that. Is. That's amazing. Well, I might have to be a video game guy now just hearing
0: that. Well, you know, here so my thinking is on video games, at least even just from an experimental point of view. You know, we hear these numbers released like, oh, this video or this movie came out and they did 100 million dollars this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then the big video game comes out and they're like, it did 84 billion dollars this weekend. Wow. And you're like, okay, so video games are now they are art, they are sound, they are graphics, they oh, are yeah. They are kind of an art form at the very tip top of five different games. Cause on top of all that, they're interactive. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a full
1: cinematic experience and it's interactive.
0: Yeah. And so to me, to be able to nail that out of the park, um, is just incredible. See, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I don't work in the fields of storytelling, but I'm interested in it. From just like, okay, so you're a comic book creator. Tell me, you know, how do you create the feel and style and look and whatnot you've got going on? Okay, you do a web series. How do you do that? I even have been trying to get somebody who used to write for old school pro wrestling back in the days when people still watched it Uh and ask them. So, you know, hey, so you guys not only told an overarching story, but you told a story in the match about like a guy's bad arm or something. Right. How did you approach that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like what do they have a writing room? Is it is it like five guys sitting around a table working that out yeah. like
0: on any show? Well, it's it's kind of like also when you do other types of stories there's kind of you know there are certain beats that you can hit to move things in a certain direction. Yeah, you exactly. Know? You know, you can you know you can do this to get, you know, to to build anticipation or worry or, or dread. Yeah. And you know, just how how do you learn that? I mean, who was the first guy to figure out a formula to go like I want I want the sense of dread really high, and then a cat's going to jump through the window. You know, <laughs> then the audience is going to feel relieved, and then a dude's going to show up with an ice pick, and that's it. You know, <laughs> you know who's the first guy to do that? Yeah, that's that's always what I'm interested in. You know, how yeah, how I you...
1: guess what we're doing now, whenever we tell a story, we're just really replaying all those old arcs uh, in different ways. You
0: know? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, what's the thing Plato used to say, or the Bible even says it? But uh, there's no thing new under the sun. Right. You know, so every time you do something, it's probably been done before. Whether or not you've seen it doesn't matter. But storytelling kind of becomes like steeped within our environment too. Yeah. It becomes part of a cultural touchstone. Like, um, are you a Star Wars fan? Yeah. Yeah. So Star Wars, the original trilogy was an exercise in filmmaking. You know, it, it hit all these tropes and touchstones just in this, mm-hmm. in, in how film was made. And then he went back and redid them. Uh, yeah, we don't really need to talk about that. There's really no need to get into that. I, you know, uh, so not a fan of the uh, of the uh, the redone films or the the prequel trilogy. I assume then.
1: I don't know. You know what? I never. I I didn't get to see all of the prequels. I, I I went to see the first one. I mean, I was I was fine with it more than most people, I think. But I think I just lost interest at that point. But I do like the new resurgence. The new thing that they doing now is really fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Disney
0: a hold of them. Yeah, that's what a friend of mine kind of hit a panic button on. Well, you know, Disney does this, that, and the other. And I'm like, well, Disney made The Avengers, and George yeah. Lucas made Phantom Menace. So let's keep yeah. those two things in mind. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, no, I think the stuff Disney's doing with Star Wars is really cool.
1: Yeah, well, don't forget, Disney's been telling stories for decades, so... They have that down pat. As long as they don't get to, uh, you know, as long as they break out of the box every once in a while, they do things that are unexpected. It should be a, a nice ride.
0: Oh, it should be. I mean, you know, let's hope they don't beat a good horse to death, I guess, is my only concern.
1: You know what? Even if they do, I think people will still go to see it, though, right?
0: Yeah. Was- I just, <laughs> I, I don't ever want to hit a point in my life where I'm sick of Star Wars. You know what I mean? It's Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of live in... I was four when the original movie came out. I mean, that's been a part of my life all along. Did and you I, go to the theater to see it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My right, parents took me to see that. I saw it at both a walk-in and a drive-in. So you can say that you've seen the unedited original version. Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, I bet you... Well, I better be careful. But if I tear apart my garage, I probably have the VHS tapes of the original, too.
1: So the originals actually made it onto a VHS tape at some point? Oh, absolutely.
0: Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, yeah, because, I mean, they didn't do the redons until 90, uh, 97. Wow. Um, um, yeah, because I think it was for the 20th anniversary. It was 97. I don't know why you're not rolling off copies of those tapes right now. Well, like I said, well first <laughs> off, I have a very distant cousin who's an archivist for Lucasfilm. And oh. so, my last name would draw too much attention, I think. I yeah. Uh, one year, years ago, I did a Google search of my last name and found this guy who worked at Lucasfilm. That's cool. It turns out our great-grandfathers were brothers. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So, we've stayed in touch on Facebook ever since. Especially yeah. when one of our hillbilly cousins sets a forest on fire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's kind of nice to, to to have somebody, you're connected with somebody that is connected with something that means so much to you. That's really kind of cool. That's a nice discovery.
0: Well, yeah, it'd be nicer if he'd come on my podcast. But, you know.
1: <laughs> he's probably contractually obligated not to go and speak
0: about Star Wars or something. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to assume you're correct. And not. Yeah, it's all he's... about
1: brand protection and stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I'm, I'm just the... talking off the top of my head. I have no
0: idea. No, you know, that's that's a better reason than I'd given. it. I was just like, he's just kind of mean. That's... that's... <laughs> That's the only one I ever came up with. Oh, man. Cool. Hey, Vince, so um, anything, uh, why don't you tell us real quick if people want to check out any of your artwork or other projects or uh, The Untold Tales of Bigfoot, where they can find it at?
1: Uh, well, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, at Vince Doris, uh I am always tweeting out uh, whatever my current project is, whether it's uh, illustrations I'm working on or games I'm illustrating or... Uh, Or the comics, so that's really the best place to find me on Twitter. Uh, If not that, uh, I guess uh, I have a bunch of uh, children's art on the uh, vincedorse.com, and, of course, always stop by untoldtalesofbigfoot.com because I'm always putting up news
0: about uh, that comic up there. Oh, there you go. So, um, yeah, you work as an illustrator in your Mm -hmm. regular everyday job. What kind of stuff do you illustrate? You
1: know, the, the majority of stuff that I do, I think, the majority of people out there never really see, you know, uh, cover spots and interior spots for, uh, local papers, uh, illustrations and trade magazines and science journals. It's, it's not, it's not boring, but it's not as fun as doing the comics. But I also, every once in a while I'll get to work on something like uh, a card game, like a two player card game. It's kind of fun. You know, I get to stretch my legs a little with that stuff. Oh, cool. And, cool. uh, and I did do a couple of, I did a few shorts, a few action cat shorts, uh, that Dark Horse reprinted recently. The, that's the only real comic stuff that I've done outside of my own comic stuff, though.
0: Right on. Now, um, I, I know when I was younger, like I mean younger, like eight, I always wanted to draw for Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. I always thought that would be like the optimum thing to draw. You know, what?
1: I think that would be fun. I'd never played it though, so I would be the horrible, horrible, the uh, amateur that doesn't know what he's doing. So I've never tried, but I, you know what? I think that there are... I have have some friends of mine that are really into D&D, and I think that they do stuff like that, and I'm kind of jealous, Yeah, because it looks like
0: fun. Well, you know, I figure then you get to draw, you know, skeletons with bows and arrows and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to draw that? Exactly. I mean, that, to me, would be like the... That's the cush job right there. What do you do? I draw gelatin monsters and skeletons. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. And chicks in chainmail bikinis. my
1: life, the way, that I realized gelatin rhymed with skeleton.
0: Oh Thank wow! You I don't think. It out to me. I don't think I ever caught that before. See, there we learned something. That's, the more you know. That's crazy. All <laughs> right, so I got one last oddball question for you. So now you've done a comic book that's kind of a kids' comic or a kidish yeah. comic, but mm-hmm. if you were to really stretch your legs, what kind of story would you want to write and illustrate? Well, I
1: really did enjoy doing the, the Until Tales of Bickford. That's still one of my favorite. It's actually literally the most fun I've ever had making art, uh, so far. But if I had to, if I had to break away from that, I would love to do, uh, a good old fashioned horror comic. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of fun for me. Just something that was skin, nothing too gory, but something that was scary, something that really, really got you. Maybe even a ghost story,
0: something like that. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Hey, you know, to be fair, you don't have to have gore for a good horror story. It's
1: true. It's absolutely true.
0: Yeah. I mean, now, I love splatter flicks, but I also love suspense and everything else. But one of the best-remembered splatter flicks of all time doesn't really have any splatter, and that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw that in a midnight showing when I was a kid, too. Thank you. Oh, man. You know what? I didn't see that movie until I was 13 or 14, and I don't think I could have handled it very well was, until I was it twenty. It was disturbing. It really yeah. is a disturbing movie. It's
1: it's a it's a great great movie.
0: Yeah, and see, by the time I was that age, I already knew like who. Um, oh, I can't think, Ed Gein. I already knew about that guy. Yeah, right. So when I found out that no, this wasn't the real story, but it was based on Ed Gein, just like a... Psycho and all these other stories. But right. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I could handle it that, at that young of an age. But it's always weird to me when I go back and watch it and realize, shit, there's not blood splattering everywhere. It's actually pretty tame on the gore side. I guess it is, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. Because I was thinking about all the scenes that I recalled as gory.
1: And mm. they, it's not, it's, it's like off camera or kind of hidden from view.
0: Yeah. A lot of it. it's, I mean, there's a lot of terrible things happening right yeah. in front of the camera. Yeah. But it's not like Friday the 13th where they're going like, more buckets of blood, get more in right. here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, boy, cool. now you got me thinking about that movie. i going to be great.
0: up all night. Great movie. You should probably watch it when you go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you just real quick before I let you go, my wife and I, we moved to, um, I don't know if you know where Santa Cruz, California is, but we moved to a little hill spot community above there and right on the back of a forest the night we moved in. Mm-hmm. Wife went to bed. Kids went to bed. I cracked open a couple beers and started unpacking boxes, put on Friday the 13th part Two. Great idea. And then realized how much my backyard looked like the forest in that movie. Yeah, see? yeah. I, I, see? I must have jumped about 35 different times that night and looked out the window. I think it's
1: fantastic that even as grown-ups, you can react like a little kid Oh, yeah, in a given situation. I mean, I, I think that's really fantastic. I'd yeah. hate to be inured to that. I'd hate to be one of those people that just sits through horror movies and yawns. Oh, it's just so fake. I'm glad. I'm glad when I get scared uh, to go into to the basement at night.
0: Yeah, I am too. It's a yeah. little freaky, but I think the payoff is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Vince, you got anything else to tell us about before we go? No, I think that is it. I appreciate uh,
1: you letting me come on and babble at you.
0: Oh, no. I appreciate you coming on and babbling at me. It's always fun to find people who I can talk to this stuff with or talk about this stuff to more. Now,
1: who more. was it again? The nine year old that that uh, is into Bigfoot?
0: Okay, Jake. The- it's Jake name and huh. he's probably 10 now but or he is 10 now but when we yeah. recorded the episode he was nine and he was like i mean he was super into bigfoot yeah, yeah. I, well, i hope he still is yeah, as far as i know he's he still is because i i mean i even asked him questions like how many bigfoots are in the wild and he told me he's approximately five to eight hundred would have to oh, be in so the yeah, wild i, like that. I yeah. like that
1: kid he's got yeah. a head on his shoulders and uh, you got to cultivate that. You got to make sure that he doesn't let go of that stuff that's kind of magical. That's oh, yeah. good
0: stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, where does, once the imagination goes, what's left? You know?
1: The television.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, <laughs> there is that. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a perfect answer, but yeah. Cool. Hey, Vince, yes. thank you very much. I do appreciate thank it. You. Everybody else, you can catch us at GeekishCast.com, I Facebook at Facebook.com slash GeekishCast, and I tweet from at the GeekishCast. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. GeekishCast is a Via's and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zeus. Check them out at ReignofZayas.net.